Welcome to All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. Our desire for you as you listen is to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit as we read the scriptures and to mobilize to actively bring God's kingdom to the earth. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ACCOKC. In third grade, I decided to have a church on the playground, and so I like got all my people organized and assigned all the roles, and I was the head pastor, and um, there ended up being some miscommunication of some theology, so (laughs) the principal shut it down, like my one and only time ever in the principal's office was because I had a church on the playground, but... um, she shut it down. And so all that to say, I haven't preached since third grade. So here I am. And uh, I'm excited about it. It's going to be fun. And I'm thankful that Brock asked and trust me with it. So um, we are going to talk about worship. But before, I just want to tell a, a bit of my story um, for two reasons. I think it will frame a lot of what I'm sharing about worship, kind of put it in context with my story, but also because I just think stories are important. And I think any chance you get to share your story, you should. Um, Because ultimately it's not your story, it's God's story. It's what he did in you. And so you're not pointing to yourself, you're pointing to the Lord. So I just wanna share a bit of kind of my growing up and knowing the Lord. Um, so I grew up in a Christian home, gave my life to Jesus at six, and grew up in a family of worshipers and musicians. My parents have been involved in church music for as long as I've been alive, and and it was beyond that, before that too. Um, And as soon as my siblings and I were old enough to like stand on the stage and be still and hold a microphone, we were joining with them. And so uh, we would do things at our church. They would tote us around uh, when they would do Sunday night concerts or fill in for music ministers. And so that's kind of my formation as a child. And even now, my parents are still involved with music at Crossings. Uh, My sister's a worship leader at Edmund Crossings. My brother's a worship leader at Faith Bible. And so we just have a, a deep history of worship and of music. And so that's always been really important. Uh, We've been here, Colt and I have been here almost 12 years. And as Colt likes to say, we crash landed here. We were in need of some healing. And at that point, so this was about 2010, my posture towards God was it had kind of grown cold and hard. And I felt like something was missing, but I didn't know what that was. And when we came here, it was confirmed. I I thought, oh, there is something missing, and I want to learn more about the Holy Spirit, and I want to learn more about things of the Spirit. And so we had been here a couple years And then that's kind of where my story really takes a turn. So it was the summer of 2012, 
And so I was 25, and I experienced a panic attack, which was followed by five days of really intense anxiety. And neither of those things I had ever experienced before. And at that point, I was really shocked because I had always felt very capable, very self-sufficient, very self-controlled. And in that moment and in that season, I felt suddenly completely out of control, completely dependent, completely reliant on the Lord. And after five days of this really intense anxiety, I was sitting in my bed and I was thumbing through old journals, kind of just trying to figure out why was this happening and and what was happening. And then it hit me. So in the weeks leading up to that, I'd been reading this book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller, which I highly recommend. And I'd been praying for the Lord to show me what it meant to be weak and to be dependent on him and to realize my need for him. And I was aware in those prayers that I couldn't make myself feel that. I I had to have the Holy Spirit reveal that to me. And so I'm just looking through these old prayers and as the dots were connected, I immediately felt a cool breeze come over my body and all of my anxiety symptoms were just gone. And if you have ever experienced anxiety, you know that feels like chest burning, thoughts racing, tingling, shaking, um, and it was just in a moment gone. And I knew in that moment that that was the Holy Spirit. So from that point on, I will say, I did still have to work through that. It wasn't just a one and done. I still had to work through. I went to counseling. We were very involved with our community group. They prayed for me often. I came down every Sunday for prayer. Um, And so I still had to walk that out. There were still steps. But a few years after that, I truly did feel free from that anxiety. And I, I felt like it wasn't just crouching at the door and knocking and waiting. Uh, So I really did experience freedom eventually. But from that point on, from that moment that I was sitting in my bed and I felt the peace of the Holy Spirit, I was like, okay, I'm all in. And so I had a refreshed desire to read the Bible, to know the Bible, to understand things of the Spirit, to understand God's voice, to hear God's voice. And it just all assured me that everything that I had grown up learning and loving and being taught, all of that was true. Every single moment of it was true. And so my response to being healed and set free was, one, I want to tell everybody about this. And then two, I want to obey God, even when it's hard and even when it's scary. And so that began to look like a lot of different things in my life, but one of the places that I saw this obedience come into play was in worship. And so today I just want to share some reflections that I have on worship, and I just want to tell you about some of the journey that God has taken me on in worship and the things that he has invited me into in worship. So to start... 
I just want us to consider what is worship. And this quote from, I love this quote from Jeremy Riddle in his book, The Reset. He says, worship is only worship if it pleases God. Worship is only worship if it pleases God. And uh, in the Vineyard DNA book, it says, worship is not about personality, temperament, personal limitations, church background, or comfort. It's about God. Worship is an end in itself. It is our opportunity to surrender ourselves again and again to our amazing God. So worship is not about us. Worship is about God, and it's unto God. And so that's the framework that I want us to stay in as I talk about worship. So even though I'm sharing my experiences in worship and my journey, this is ultimately about God. He loved us first, and so then our response is worship. He made the first move, and so then this is our response. Something I sense the Lord saying to me as I was preparing was just this phrase that worship is an invitation. And it's like a series of yeses that God is inviting you into. And so this word invitation is what I want you to grab onto and walk away with. So my hope is that everyone would feel the invitation of the Lord. Invitation into something more, something new, something different. And I believe that that will play out here in this room, but I also believe that will play out outside of these walls, in your time with the Lord, in your workplace. All of that is connected. And worship is not a spectator sport. It's not a passive activity. It is engaging with God's presence in active ways. And so as you listen, I pray that you sense the Lord's invitation for you. What is he inviting you into? What is the season that you're in with God? And how do you bring your worship to him in this season? And so the first invitation that I want to talk about is an invitation to tears, lament, and honesty. So after my Holy Spirit encounter in 2012, there was this season of deep tenderness in worship. I cried every Sunday. And that's also the season I stopped wearing mascara because it just, there was no point. So it was a hard season, but it was a good season. And if you've ever had those seasons with the Lord that are so hard, you know that tension of it is so hard and it is so good. And I was so tender and, and near to the Lord. I was so aware of my need for him. In this passage, James 4, 7 through 10 was something that I really just clung to. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. 
So this is how I was drawing near to the Lord. It was through my tears. And the season was full of lamenting and weeping. And I was repenting for my self-reliance and my love of control. And although I was thankful for how God had healed me in that moment and I experienced his healing, I was also still desperate for the healing to be complete. I was still walking out the healing. And so even now, many times in worship, I experience worshiping God through and with my tears. And sometimes I know what's behind those tears, and sometimes I really can't put my finger on it. And one of the ways that I believe that we worship God is with our tears, whether we understand them or we don't. Corey Russell, uh, he's a pastor at Upper Room, and he has a book, The Gift of Tears, and this is what he says. Tears come when you run out of options. They are a language all their own. They're the expression of a soul that's on the other side of words. Such tears will provoke a response in God. He won't be silent at your tears. And we see in John 11 that Jesus is moved by Mary's tears. Her brother Lazarus had died, and she went to Jesus in her grieving state. It says that she was weeping, and she fell down at his feet, and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so she came to Jesus, and she was honest. And I love what David writes in Psalm 56, 8. He says, you keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And so God knows us deeply. And he knows our tears. And he knows our pain. A few weeks ago, during one of our Tuesday prayer sets, we read and sang and prayed through Psalm 13, which was a passage of lament. And David cried out to God saying things like, how long will you hide your face from me? Will you forget me forever? How long must I have sorrow in my heart all day long? And it was amazing what the Holy Spirit did during that time. Uh, there was permission to, to lament and to weep and to say, God, why is this circumstance the way that it is? And God, why haven't you healed this thing? How long do we have to wait for you to come? And I want us as a body of believers to know that we have permission to lament. We can love and trust God and mourn and ask hard questions. And so Psalm 126 says, Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. And some of you are maybe in a season where worshiping the Lord here in this room is really hard. And maybe showing up at all is hard. But I encourage us to all make space for our pain and for our tears and for our honesty and to bring our lament to God in worship.
after a few years of working through that anxiety, I really did feel, feel set free. Um, following that season of tears, there was then a season of praise and thanksgiving and remembering. And so I was interacting with God in a different way through worship. So what I was giving to God was something different. And I remember we were, it was like 2014, 2015, we were in the fellowship hall for something, and it was a time of worship, and being on this really, being on this other side of that really hard season, I I wasn't really crying out to God or begging for breakthrough or asking him to move. I didn't really have this hard thing that I was bringing to him, and I was in this season of reprieve after suffering. And God said to me in that moment, I just want you to praise me. And that was a needed perspective shift for me. Because I think we can easily fall into times of apathy when things start feeling comfortable and there's a bit of a break from the pain and the suffering. And we can forget our need We forget to keep pressing in. We forget our dependency. And forgetting God and what he has done is a big deal. Uh, Jen Vitale shared this quote a few months ago, and I was like, you have to give me that book. What is that? This is from uh, the Desert Fathers, sayings of the early Christian monks. And this is what it says. Satan has three powers which lead to all the sins. The first is forgetfulness, the second, negligence, the third, selfish desire. If forgetfulness comes, it causes negligence. Negligence is the mother of selfish desire, and by selfish desire, we fall. But if the mind is serious, it repels forgetfulness. Negligence does not come. Selfish desire finds no entry. And so, with the help of Christ, we shall never fall. So, forgetfulness is a great scheme of the enemy, and we counteract that with remembering. And remembering God is an act of thanksgiving. And one of my favorite places in Scripture is Deuteronomy 8. And if you want to turn there, you can. Um, Deuteronomy is a book all about calling the people to remember what God had done for them and who he was for them. That he had delivered them from slavery in Egypt after 430 years, that he had brought them through the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. He provided for them, he guided them, he protected them. And so look at how many times, just in this one chapter, just in Deuteronomy 8, how many times that Moses commands the people to remember God and to not forget him. So in verse 2, it says, Remember the long way the Lord your God has led you through these 40 years in the wilderness. Verses 11 through 15, Take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. 
When you have eaten your fill and you've built your fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness and the arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions. Verses 17 and 18, do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives the power to get wealth so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors as he is doing today. And so you see the Lord instructing the Israelites over and over to remember him, to not forget him. And one of my favorite pieces of worshiping through praise and thanksgiving is through remembering God. Remembering God is like a gateway to praise and thanksgiving. And I love what Ann Voskamp says about remembering. She says, remembering frames up gratitude. Is that why the Israelites kept recounting their past? To trust God for their future? Remembering is an act of thanksgiving, a way of thanksgiving. This turn of the heart over time's shoulder to see all the long way his arms have carried. To thank is to remember God. And so when I think about worshiping with praise and thanksgiving, I think about remembering. That remembering is an act of praise and thanksgiving. It's a form of meditating on God. And so in that season of my life, years ago, my worship was marked by thanksgiving and by remembering what God had done for me and who he was for me in that season, that he had set me free from anxiety, that he was my healer, that he was my comforter, he was my refuge. And so as a community, I want us and our worship to be marked by thanksgiving, and by practicing remembering God, remembering who he has been, remembering what he has done. Another season that God invited me into in worship, and he is still doing this work in me, is obedience and risk. Years ago, I knew God was calling me into freedom and worship, specifically physical freedom. And I'd always wanted to engage my physical body in worship, but there was so much hesitation, almost like bricks were on my arms. And this was probably around 2015, but I'd been sitting with the story of Moses and Aaron and her in Exodus 17. And in that story, the Amalekites were fighting with the Israelites. And so Joshua led the Israelites into battle while Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And whenever Moses held up his hands with the staff, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered it, the Amalekites were winning. And so Aaron and Hur positioned themselves on either side of him to hold his arms up for the duration of the battle. And then the Israelites saw victory. And so I was sitting with that story And God gave me a picture of my friends standing around me, holding my arms up, praying for freedom, 
freedom and worship. And I knew I needed to be obedient to that picture. I knew I needed to ask my friends to do that. But that was really weird, and I didn't want to. And so uh, it took a while. It felt scary, and it felt kind of vulnerable. And so fast forward to a women's retreat a few years later. The story was still stirring, the story of Moses and this picture that God had given me, it was still stirring in my heart. And it's the last session. Esther gets up to speak. And you'll never guess, but she speaks on Moses, Aaron, and her. And so I couldn't avoid it. And it was very obvious that the Lord was inviting me into this and asking me to obey. And so when the retreat ended, I gathered my friends and I said, hey, Will you pray for me? Will you do this? And so they prayed for freedom. And, and it wasn't this automatic thing. It still took time to experience and several steps of obedience. And eventually part of that journey was God asking me to lead worship away from the piano and to step out of that comfortable place. And so in May of 2020, I led worship away from the piano, and it was a risk but here at All Saints, we celebrate risk, and we celebrate obedience. And so ultimately, all of the obedience and the risk has resulted in freedom. The return for obedience and risk in the kingdom of God is freedom. And I know there's still more, because there's always more with God. And so obedience and risk may look different for you in worship. But I do want to take just a second to talk about what I've learned about physically engaging with God in worship. I do believe there's something significant about us engaging with him in that way. There are many times throughout scripture that God invites people to engage with him and obey him in a physical action. God told the Israelites to put lamb's blood on their doorframe to serve as a sign for him to pass over. God told Moses to raise his staff over the water of the Red Sea for it to be parted. Like we read earlier, God instructed Moses to keep his arms up and the battle would be won. God told Joshua to march around the city of Jericho and then he would give them the city. Jesus tells the lame man to pick up his mat and walk. Jesus put mud on a blind man's eyes and says, go and wash in a pool. And so I believe there's something activated in us when we obey God with our bodies. And in this season, I am offering up to God my yes and saying, I will obey you. I will risk for you. And for me, that is what it's pertained to. To physical freedom and worship. And I do want to be clear, worship is not about how it looks on the outward. It's not about the outward appearance. We're not to decide that. That becomes a Pharisee mindset. But I do believe, the reason I'm spending time talking about this is because I do believe that there are people in here that are like me and that feel this invitation from the Lord and it feels scary and it feels risky but I just want to encourage you and say that there is freedom on the other side. There's freedom on the other side of obeying 
and of risking when God is asking you to do something. Jeremy Riddle says this in The Reset. He says, when we begin to step beyond our comfort zones, beyond how emotional we're feeling in the moment, beyond whatever has become our customary and normal response in worship, and begin to give him that which costs us something, we will begin to discover a purity in worship. And as All Saints Community Church, I want our worship to be marked by our willingness to obey him and to risk for him. And so as I close, I just want to invite us to consider and ask God, what are you inviting me into? What are you inviting me into in worship? And these three different seasons of my journey, these are just three. There might be something different that God's highlighting for you that he's inviting you into. And it might not be any of the three I mentioned. But, but I, I want to encourage us to ask the Lord, what are you inviting me into in worship? And so even now, I just want us to take a second and close your eyes, and let's just take a second individually to ask the Lord, what are you inviting me into? What are you inviting me into in worship? And just listen and see what he brings to mind.